Young man. Who are you? What's your name? We got no records of you. How'd you get inside this prison? Who put you down that hole? What brings you home? I got a call from Shawshank. Found a kid in the cage. A call from who? Don't know yet. Has it begun? Hey everybody, I'm Rima. And I'm Sean. And this is Strange Indeed, a podcast dedicated to the show Castle Rock. Today we'll be covering our preview of Castle Rock and our top three Stephen King works. I am so stoked about this episode. I am pumped as well. We talk so so much about Stephen King here. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, so much references. Like, we've got Stranger Things that's always kind of touching on those Stephen King references. And uh, Yes. uh, One of the first shows we did together was a – well, no, actually, I I guess it was Jason. But, you know, we talked about it a lot when it came out. So it's kind of very much in our realm of uh, commonality. It is. um, He's definitely a a pop culture horror um, genre um, icon that – Everybody kind of takes something of his and, you know, that so many people are influenced by him, um, whether it be authors, you know, um, folks in movies, you know, directors, producers, um, any just almost everyone um, is inspired by him and his awesome work. So um, I'm super stoked because I've been a huge fan since I was a kid. So I'm really excited. I I'm I'm ready to jump in. We only have three. How are we doing three? It's going to be tough. I mean, I think we, you know, we got a lot of fan feedback. It looks like, and then yeah. also, I think our honorable mentions will be just out the out the door as well. So yeah, hopefully, we can keep this to a good time limit and not be here for hours <laughs> and hours <laughs> talking about it because I feel like we're going to. Okay, well, enough of the rambling. Um, let's yep. get started into our top. Are we doing our top three? Yeah, let's start with our top three. So okay. if you want to lead off with your top three Stephen King works. <sighs> Okay, gosh, I, and like I said, I'm going to be honest. This was this was probably one of the most fun things that, you know I've I've had an opportunity to talk about since we've started podcasting together. But also very difficult. Been a bit huge fan, and and I and as always, um, just full disclosure, I do have these numbered. However, um, there are no particular order. I just don't know if I have favorites, especially when you're talking a top three. But I'm going to start off my number three um, is a movie, uh, and that's Shawshank Redemption. Oh, okay, love love Shawshank Redemption who doesn't when they're flipping through the channels and that movie's on <laughs> you stop and you finish it exactly love, like that's that's the thing you think about Stephen King is like I think a lot of people think of him right away as horror mm-hmm. but there's so many books and movies that he's put together that aren't horror based you know Shawshank Redemption I think is one of those it's a movie that if you don't know much about Stephen King you sit down and watch that and then you watch one of his other like actual horror movies like The Shining or let's say, for example, mm-hmm. it's going to be really tough for you to be like, oh, wait, the same guy did both those movies? Exactly. And I think it was, and I might be jumping into some of the ones that might be other ones, but like Stand By Me, like mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure the reason he wrote that is because people are like, oh, well, you're only a horror writer. That's all you can write is scary stuff. And he writes something like that is like the quintessential coming of age tale mm-hmm. that people go to whenever they're like, you know, it's mostly 
because it's boys in it, but it's like, oh, when you're growing up, these this is the the tale of you growing up kind of thing. Yeah, um, I think it just shows his range of ability when it comes to writing and. Ex- Shawshank Redemption is definitely one of those. It's huge. And, you know, this this one just got me so much. And if if, if people, if you haven't watched Shawshank Redemption, um, I'm sorry. Go watch it right now. I'm not even going to tell you what it's about. I've got like a little brief description that's like a non-spoilery. But I think probably most folks, especially if you're listening to this, you're a fan probably of Stephen King and have probably seen this movie. Um, but, you know, I just – I. Love this tale so much that, you know, the whole story, of, and we're going to talk about, so spoilers, people, um, just be aware we are going to talk about these things. So if you haven't seen them, beware. Um, but this, this you know, Andy's story of being wrongfully convicted, yeah. I, I'm, I'm such a huge fan of like true crime stories. I mean, that's really kind of popular right now. But even before it was really like what it is today, I was really fascinated with Andy's story being wrongfully mm. convicted. He's serving this time. Um, he's, he's not really accepting it. He never accepts it the entire time. He never admits, you know, to, you know, to having done it. Um, even though, you know, no one believes him, you know, cause they're like, oh, we're all innocent here. You yeah. know, there's, you know, won't find a, a guilty man in Shawshank is what <laughs> Morgan Freeman tells him. And, but, and nobody believes him until later when they find out that there was a, a real confession from someone else in another prisoner in another, um, in another prison, um, elsewhere. But I always loved that story. He refused to give up. He was always looking for a way out. And come to find out, he he was finding a way out the entire time by digging yep. in the wall. And that prison escape, I mean, the whole, when we got to see it, because at first we didn't see it. We, we saw it like after it had taken place. And I mean, I love that whole sequence. There's so many great scenes. The characters are awesome. Yeah, you've got um, it, the iconic scene, right? When he gets out, he's, it's pouring down rain and he's just yes. like, he's made his way to freedom. Yes. And that's that's a movie. I mean, I probably watched that when I was, I don't know, twelve or thirteen. And it definitely scares you straight a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. you know, he he was wrongly convicted. It makes you nervous about like, well shit. Like if that happens, you know, they don't make prison look to be very glamorous at all. I mean nope. you know, when I think I watched on USA Network, so it was like the T V friendly version. And you see when he's trapped with those two guys and they're talking like, well, sometimes he got away, sometimes he didn't. Yeah. You know, and 12 or 13-year-old me is like, well, what do they do to him? <laughs> and then, and you, then kinda, you learn. <laughs> yeah, and then you kind of like, oh, yeah, that's, oh. The I sisters. Mean, you know, I think I saw American History X around the same time. Mm-hmm. And so I definitely kind of, I probably saw American History X first and then Shawshank. And so it was definitely one of those things, seeing what happened in American history, actually like, oh, I know what's going to happen. And you kind of yeah. have like that, like, oh, uh, like just, yeah, not not cool. No, no, definitely um, putting it out there and not not whitewashing the life at all. And I, one of my favorite scenes that I, I love whenever it – whenever I do watch it on TV and, and, and catch it um, was when Andy was in Byron Hadley's office um, who of course was the awesome Clancy Brown. I love Clancy Brown so much um, as an actor. I've been a fan of his for a long time. Um, Andy went, had gone to the office to pick up those donated library books because he was trying to start that prison library. And that uh, one of the guards goes to the restroom and leaves Andy alone in there to get those books and donated items out. And he's just, start, you know, starts looking through him and, and he comes across this um, opera and he locks the door and plays that record over the loudspeaker. Mm. Um, 
and and you know all of a sudden everyone's like what the hell's going on and all, everyone's out there in the, yard, in the yard listening a bunch of the guards come um and you know they're yelling for him to open the door and turn off the music and andy just looked at him and reaches over like he's gonna turn it off and instead of turning it off and he he t- cranks it up with a l- little smirk on his face <laughs> That is like the best scene ever in, in a movie. It's just, it's wonderful. So my shout out to Shawshank. Um, definitely surprising when you learn, or at least when you first watch and you learn that it's, you know, an adaptation of a Stephen King book because mm-hmm. you're, that's not, like you said, what you would think of when you think Stephen King. And it's amazing. Yeah, I think what's great too about that is that's something that plays very heavily in a lot of his other books. I think Shawshank Prison is like named and, multiple books of his Mm -hmm. you know it's very cool that you know dairy is a place that is mentioned you know and you know we see we talk about castle rock castle rock is basically this universe that uh, stephen king has created where Mm -hmm. everything kind of takes place um within this universe at least you think it does um but again it's just kind of cool for somebody to create that but have all these different spinoffs of that area or that idea i know and i'm super excited because i know we're probably going to talk about it whenever we talk about the castle rock preview um and the and from the teasers that we watched um i think we're going to get to see a little more of that um in the in the new show so I'm, I'm really excited i just i love it i love that movie so much the whole relationship between red and andy i cry every time i've seen the shawshank yeah. redemption hundreds of times and i still cry at you know at the end every time at the end when they're reunited on the beach in mexico i'm just Uh like oh my god they're (laughs) fine they're best friends and they're together and they're free so love it couldn't get any better so with that what's your number three all right so my number three i i'm trying i was trying to remember what my first stephen king movie was and all minor Uh movies just because that's i think what i've seen most of 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 his works Mm -hmm. and uh, it seems like this one took place um, around the 80s, so I was about the age of the kid in this movie. And, uh, you know, my mom was about the age of the mom in this movie. And it involved, you know, taking the car somewhere. You know, it's like, I don't remember if this took place in Derry specifically, or, but, you know, it's a small town. You're taking your car somewhere to get it worked on. And when you show up, there is this blood-ridden dog that you're like, oh, cool dog, <laughs> and it comes up and traps you inside of your car. It's a rabid dog, and that dog is – I've always wanted to name a dog this and haven't yet, but it's Cujo. Yes. <laughs> so this is uh, – you know, it has a very, like, 80s feel. You know, it's a, a mom kind of down on her luck. Um, I don't remember if the her husband or his dad was in the picture – um, they were, I think they were still together, but they were, I think, having issues because um, I think he traveled a lot or she yeah. was, some, some, one of them was always away, it seemed like, and they were having issues and she was cheating on him. That's and, right. Yeah. Yeah. And you see like, you know, she drives this car that's kind of getting broke down. She's going to take it to some guy that's going to fix it. And, you know, this dog who just a friendly dog, friendly St. Bernard dog that get got bit by a bat, a I rabid know. bat. Poor Cucho. And, and that's what's really interesting about like some of Stephen King's work is like this is a very realistic type of thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Like this isn't a you know a demon dog or a you know a dog that is possessed. It's just a dog that had something happen to it. Yeah, I mean it's something that's real. I mean mm-hmm. rabies much. is a real thing, so it's that's and that's probably why it made it more terrifying because it's something that could truly happen. It's not something you know paranormal or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It's like something that could truly happen. Now, could it go to that extent? I don't know. I've never been exposed to a dog with rabies, but I mean it, it pretty much does make dogs 
you know, a little bit nutty nuts and, you know, whether or not you could reach that level of aggression, I don't know, but that's kind of what they teach you yeah, about it. Because, I mean, in this, it's very much like being isolated in, a, in an island. Because, again, this is something you wouldn't see happen to today. Because mm-hmm. you would get there, the dog would have you trapped. You're like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to get my cell phone out. I'm going to call somebody and they're going to come and take care of this dog. Yep. At this point in time, in the 80s, there was no cell phone. So they're, they're stuck in this car, very much like a boat in the middle of the ocean being circled by a shark. Like, you know, you look out of the boat, you look around, okay, well, I don't see the sharks. Let me see if I can swim to the island. Oh, guess what? Right when you get in the water, here comes the shark. And yep. that shark is Cujo. And, you know, it's very intense because you're sitting in this car. It's like the middle of summer. They have very little to any water. She's there with her son. So she's got like her motherly instincts kicking in. And there's the scene where, you know, she finally basically just says, okay, I've got to go. Well, actually, there's a scene before. I think a cop shows up mm-hmm. and Cujo kills the cop. And, she, you know, she basically has her kid who's hyperventilating because he's overheating. So she's like, well, it's now or never. And there's that whole scene of her running with her kid to the house and being chased by the dog and getting the gun. And, you know, the last scene is that dog jumping through the window and, you know, mom taking care of business. Yeah. Uh, But it's just a, it's a, it's one of those things that like whenever you, you know, I've always talked about naming a dog Cujo. It's like, oh, that's kind of a bad omen. But, you know, it wasn't the dog. It was just the situation. But Mm -hmm. it's just a, it's just a clever kind of, you know, it's not like a full overarching you know, big story. It's just got, uh, you get learn a little bit about the people and then they're in this situation that's bad. They're stuck in this car surrounded by this dog shark. And that's what you get with Cujo. And it's a, like, again, like I said, it's a very realistic type of thing. Yeah. And, you know, I like it because it, it's, it, it reminds me a little bit of like the walking dead with, you know, it's like, how do people react in these types of situations? And, and this, this puts you in like a, like a, an actual situation that could happen, maybe not so much anymore since they've really, you know, people are, most people I think are pretty good about getting their dogs vaccinated against mm. rabies. It is the law and things like that. I'm sure there are some people that don't follow that, but good lesson here, folks. Um, get your, get your dogs vaccinated for rabies. If nothing else, don't want to be like Cujo. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought, I just thought it was interesting cause it, I've always thought I was like, what would I do? You know, if I'm trapped in a car, you know, with no communication, there's no cell phones, no one is around. Kudo's done taking out his owner. So there's no owner there to help you. You're kind of isolated. You're not in the mm-hmm. middle of town. You know, the dog's eating the cop, the one cop that's come out to try and check things out. Um, and, and you know how it makes you think of how would you react in that situation? And, um, so I think it's interesting, interesting to see how that mom, you know, tries her best to do, you know, to get help for her and her son. Um, although, man, that kid was so damn annoying. <laughs> <laughs> I know he's just a kid and I don't really need people giving me shit about it. I don't care because <laughs> this kid was so annoying because <laughs> she's like, be quiet. And he's like just screaming and screaming yeah. and screaming and all that loud That's- noise was making the dog even more crazy. And he just kept screaming and crying and whining. I was just, a lot of times I watch it, I'm just like, just please shut up, kid. I just wanted to stuff a sock in his mouth and just <laughs> stick him in the back and say, just be quiet. Um, you're pissing me off and I can't think with you screaming. I know I'm horrible. I'm a horrible person. I always think about that like, you know, zombie apocalypse breaks out right now. My kid's too. He's not going to understand. He's going to scream and cry and I'm going to be like, dude, stop. Mm-hmm. There's a zombie outside. He's like, outside? Yeah, let's go outside side like no we can't there's zombies exactly this kid was a little bit older than two though he should have yeah he he had had, four-ish maybe five he was old enough to probably 
least understand a little bit better. At least to understand to be quiet when mother tells you to be quiet. Mm -hmm. It's important. There's a dog out there that wants to eat us. And the more noise you make, the more he wants to eat us. So shut up. So. Yeah, he just kind of, I didn't like him in Who's the Boss either. You know, that's what's his name (laughs) from Who's the Boss. I didn't like him in that show either. So maybe I just have something against that kid. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, good. I always want to name a dog Cujo too. So that's funny. My mom would never let me. I did have one named Killer. Oh, that's a good name. That even, yeah. Uh, But he was the sweetest dog. He was a German Shepherd mix and he was the sweetest dog ever. I mean, totally wrong name for him, but. um, Yeah, I think it'd be cool to get like a little Chihuahua, name it Cujo. Like some like very innocent looking dog, like small. I had a, a mini pincher, um, Sally, she's no longer with me. She, she was old and, and ill and then she died last year, but, um, she was just this tiny little mini pincher and I had the sign, um, at the door when you got there, you know, people have like beware of dog signs. Um, I had, a, it wasn't a big one, but I had like this tiny little in the window, beware of dog, um, sign. And people were like, they come in and be like, you, you where's your dog? And here she come a running on her tiny little legs. And I was like, there she is. <laughs> 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 They didn't always appreciate my humor. Anyway, good number three. Love me some Cujo. Good 80s classic. Well, my number two, that leads me into that one, is this might be cheating a little bit because it's not necessarily one, but I'm grouping it into one, and that's the Dark Tower series um, of books. And I hope we have lots of Dark Tower fans. I didn't read into the feedback too much. And I'm really anxious to see if anyone else has it on their list because I love Dark Tower. I got into it whenever I was a teenager and um, waiting all that time for him to come out with those last couple of books um, was awful. And I thought it was never going to happen. And if you, if you like the Dark Tower, you know, it's a series of eight, eight books. And what's, what makes it so great is it in court? And I talked about this a little bit whenever I talked about the movie Dark Tower with Jason. And of course, he hated it, and I didn't think it was that bad. But what I loved so much about it was that, you know, there's multiple genres covered in the Dark Tower there's dark fantasy, science fantasy, horror, and a Western. Um, and it's a great story with great characters. Um, you know, you've got a quest for a tower. Um, you know, there's all of these mythical things that happen in this world and all of the worlds, um, within the dark tower. And I just, I think it's fantasy. So, or, or, or just fantastic. So if you're into any of that, you know, the series is definitely something for you. There will be something there that will touch you about it. And of course the best thing is, you know, the dark tower is thought to be Stephen King's magnum opus, which is what he has said himself about the Dark Tower series. So I think if you are a true Stephen King fan, you have even if you don't love them, you've probably read them. So I would love to hear what other folks have to say about you the said Dark you, Tower. You have read the books, or I, you know what? I'm going to be honest. The last few I did not get a chance to read because I waited so long, and so the last few I didn't get to read. But I fell in love with the Gunslinger and read it a couple of times. Um, so I read the first three multiple times, and then I never got to finish the last few. But um, so yeah, there's pro- probably people going to say, "Well, how can you say it's your favorite whenever you haven't read the last few books?" But um, they they still are my favorite. The whole I know series. That's one, uh, they've they've tied a lot of the um, universe of Stephen King into that Dark Tower series. I mm-hmm. know there's 
references to like Pennywise the Clown in there. There's references to the turtle, I believe, in there. I haven't read them or I didn't see the movie either because it's one of those things that like there's like was there like eight or twelve books? Like there's quite a few. There's eight, yeah. And just the gargantuan of trying to get through eight books with everything else you have going on is very, very tough. But you know, I kind of go to like Game of Thrones and things like that. Like those are things that people like took twenty years to see come out, which is mm-hmm. really, really cool. Um, but I, I, I haven't, like I said, I haven't seen it, but I love the premise and the idea of, and I love the fact too, that there's so many kind of like little nods to different areas of the, the King verse. Yes. The, they always say that like the dark tower is kind of like the ethos of like the whole Stephen King universe. Like everything starts at the dark tower Mm. and then everything else that exists in the Stephen King universe is like somehow tied to something like a world of the dark tower or a character or something's always referenced. There's always some sort of like tie in and, you know, see the gunslinger was written in 1982 or sorry, not written that it was published 1982. Uh, the drawing of the three was published in 1987. Uh, the third book, The Wastelands, in 1991. So there's a little bit of a gap. And then the fourth book, Wizard in Glass, didn't come out until 1997. So there was a six-year gap. So that's, you know, a long time for people to wait. And then the fifth one, uh, The Wind Went Through the Keyhole, was 2012. So from 97 to 2012. um, Is that right? That can't be right. Where did that date come from? There was some funky copying and pasting going on, I think. Um, Wolves of the Kala... It was 2003, Song of Susanna, 2004, and then The Dark Tower was 2004. So he pumped out a couple of of them pretty fast. Um, But there was a lot that happened between there. He had other books he was working on. There were, and um, and by that time, I was out of book reading so much. Like I stopped being such a bookworm. And I was at this point in my life where I had a lot of time to read and devote to books. And then things changed in my life and I didn't have as much time to devote to books. So that's why I never got to finish them. But I still, with The Gunslinger, I mean, it's great. That first book is amazing. If you haven't read it, go do it. That's my number two. What's your number two? Good pick. So my number two, this movie came out um, about like I consider my heyday of like really loving horror movies. And uh, the main character in this movie is wearing a White Sox hat, too, as he was coming uh, when we first <laughs> see him. So I kind of got a little nod there. But it was based on one of his short stories, and it starred John Cusack, and it is uh, 1408. Yes. So That's in my honorable is, mentions. Love it. I, I think this is a movie I've probably only seen once, but it really, really stuck with me. It's, you know, the idea of this whole movie is it's a, it's a guy who is trying to find – uh, basically an afterlife. Like he lost his daughter at a very young age. Um, she was like five to eight years old, like really young. And so he's trying to figure out how to contact her through like figuring out that this, you know, supernatural world exists. So he goes into like different haunted hotels and bed and breakfasts. And every time he finds nothing, like he, there's no such thing as this uh, supernatural world. Cause he wants to believe that his daughter's still out there somewhere. And he gets this weird note, 1408. You add the numbers together, they equal 13, <laughs> uh, which I thought was a little clever thing, a clever nod in there. Mm-hmm. But he goes to the dolphin and he goes in, checks into the room, and a lot of just craziness and very much kind of like nightmare on Elm Street. Like, was well, he awake? Is he dreaming? What's going on? 
And it's really cool to see like all these different things happening. So this room, like there's some supernatural thing with it because anybody that stays in there, I think they can't stay in there longer than an hour is the idea. Mm-hmm. And when they check in, there's either suicide or they uh, jump out the window or a weird murder. Like even people that like clean it, you know, one person stands outside the room, one person goes in. So it's even the hotel is very much like, yeah, we don't like going in there. And the part to me that I think that like, even when I saw this in 2007, when it came out that like just really tore me apart was you see the character John, who John Cusack, Cusack plays, he's going through this whole thing and he gets sucked back out of it, or at least he thinks he was, so he thinks he's dreaming. He writes mm-hmm. this whole book about it. I, I, for some reason I want to say it's like his daughter was still alive and they basically made him go through losing her again. And he comes to and realizes that he's still in the hotel and there's a part where he's basically like saying, like, you made me relive it. Like, you made me go through it again. And that part, like, just tore me, like, in two. Like, h- how evil is that to basically, like, one, he lived through it in real life where he lost his daughter. Yeah. And then he got to live through it a second time, even though it wasn't real. It felt real. And to me, that was just, uh, like, I think I probably teared up in the theater, like, through this horror movie. And I don't know if I've ever mm-hmm. teared up in a horror movie. Mm-hmm. And that was just a very moving, you know, heart-wrenching scene. And even the end of it, it kind of leaves it open where he's still trying to figure out, like, was it real? Was it not? And he gets a, a cassette where he actually hears his daughter, his daughter's voice on it. So the end of it just kind of realizes, like, yeah, what you saw is what what happened. Like, she's actually there. Or is she? You know, Or is it just some evil demon, you know, playing tricks on you? some evil demon playing tricks on you because it's a Stephen King. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's, where I'm go- that's what I'm going with. <laughs> Always assume the worst whenever it comes to Stephen King. That's a really good one. I did enjoy 1408 very much. And uh, the book as well, or well, sorry, not book, short story. Um, it, yeah, it came from one of his short stories. So the short story um, was really great. And the movie, I'm a big John Cusack fan, loved it. Wasn't it Morgan Freeman? Sorry, uh, Morgan Samuel Freeman. Jackson Samuel Jackson was, in, was um, in that. So was uh, um, Tony Shalhoub. He was in there too. Was he? Gosh. I can't remember what part he played though. You're probably right. It's been a while since I've actually seen um, um, the movie. I don't see it on TV. I don't own a lot of movies. So if if it's not like playing on cable somewhere, um, I, I, I don't catch it. I always do love when AMC is, uh, they've got the Stephen King Day or Stephen King Weekend. And I'm like, yes. Um, but they keep showing the same ones. I wish they'd branch out a little bit um, and play some 1408 because that was good. Um, John Cusack's great. And um, Samuel Jackson. I don't know why I said Morgan Freeman. I think I'm still on Shawshank. Redemption. That's a really good one. Did you say that John Cusack was wearing a White Sox hat? Yeah, he's. I think he's a Cubs fan. He's a huge was, Cubs fan, yeah. so I wonder if they had to pay him a little extra to wear that. This <laughs> was. Uh, this was shortly after the White Sox won the World Series, so they probably started filming this in like 2006, which would have been the year after they won the World Series. Mm-hmm. And I remember hearing people talk about it that he was trying to get in good with like the White Sox organization because they're still pretty really? good at that point. Huh. So I don't know if he was thinking like he'd get free tickets or he'd just get some kind of notoriety or if he lost a bet. But yeah, it's one thing that really stuck out with me. It's like, oh, I didn't realize he was a Sox fan and then you find out it's like well no he's actually a pretty big Cubs fan he's a very huge because he's from Chicago and I know you're a 
Sox fan, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, that must have really struck a chord with you. But yeah, that's it. I don't know that I paid that much attention to it whenever I watched the movie. I must have just disregarded that detail. But I know he's a huge uh, Cubs fan because I, I come from uh, many people that I know, including my kid that loves um, the Chicago Cubs. And he's you would see him quite frequently in the stands and he's very serious. I mean, he's not just there to be there. He's like a legit true fan. So that's very interesting. He probably lost a bet. It would be my guess. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I'm not sure what played on that. Cause I know Stephen King is a huge Red Sox fan. Yes. And so you see that a lot in his books, but uh, mm-hmm. cause he's got one about like the girl who loved Tom Gordon, Tom Gordon. Yeah. Which I think Tom Gordon played for the Sox for a little bit. He had a cup of coffee with him. But, interesting. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the movie did really well. It was like it was mm-hmm. a short story. I think it was like less than a couple pages. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it was just a very like I love whenever somebody can take like a short story or a, like a very small idea from somebody and make it into something that has an impression because that's really tough to do. I think it is. Yeah, it is because some of his short stories are very short. Some are a little longer. Some are, are very very short. Um, and it's pretty cool to see someone take take something from that and build on it and expand. I really liked 1408. I thought it was really great. One of the better ones for sure. Cause there's, there's a couple stinkers out there. Some people yeah, don't, don't, don't do so great with some of them. And you're like, you have such great material. How can mm-hmm. you mess this up? And somehow they do. Um, awesome. I, I love that. I'm glad that you brought that up. That was hard for me not to include that one on my list. Um, I feel like it's kind of an under the radar one. Cause I don't know how many people have actually seen it. Cause it, it came out, it did really, really well. Mm-hmm. I think it was 25 million budget, 125 box office. So right. a lot of people saw it, but I rarely hear anybody mention it at all. I think I own the DVD, but I don't even know if I've watched the DVD, which the reason I didn't watch it, or maybe I watched it once, but one of the things that frustrates me the most about movies and stuff is when you go and you watch it in the theater and then you buy the DVD or something like that and they always change the ending. Mm-hmm. And with this one, they had three different alternate endings that they put together. Really? And I think Blade 2 or 3 might have did this as well. Um, and I know, uh, um, oh, the Will Smith vampire one, um, I Am Legend, it okay. did it as well. So it's like they have this theatrical ending but then when they're released on DVD, they change it. And that always just kind of frustrates me because it's like, yeah. what am I supposed to see? Like, what's the continuity? Exactly. Oh, that's a, uh, I don't know how I feel about those alternate endings. I just, I want to just. Yeah, I'm fine if you include it as a special, but don't, don't like, I want to see theatrical release. This is what was released, you know, in theaters. Watch this. If you want to see the other alternate endings, because I know they do that for, mm-hmm. you know, different test screenings and whatnot, include those, but just have what it actually was. Don't change it in the, the movie. Like, let me watch it as a special. Exactly. I agree. I agree. Get so picky about, um, our movies, but Hey, good. Number two. I like, I'm really glad. Yeah. I'm, I totally agree with you because I think that is something that kind of goes under the radar. I don't hear a lot of people talk about it whenever you start talking about Stephen King books and movies with your friends or in a conversation, not too many people. I don't think I've ever heard anyone else bring that up. And you know, there are lots of classics for sure, but that's, I think one that doesn't get enough recognition. It was really great. Um, and good acting. I mean, there was really great actors in there. John Cusack and Samuel Jackson are great. Anyway, I like it. All right, my number one. Sean, tell me if you read this book. I, this might change our relationship based on your <laughs> answer. So have you read Eyes of the Dragon? I have not. Oh, I don't even, no. Is it, is it a movie or anything that he's done or is it just the book? Just the book. I have not read it. 
Okay, so tell, well, sell me on Eyes of the Dragon. Okay, I, so, I saw the name as I was looking through his bibliography, and it had me interested. Mm-hmm, okay, so this is from Wiki. Um, so at the time of publication, it was a deviation from the norm for Stephen King, who is best known for his horror fiction. This book is a work of epic fantasy in a quasi-medieval setting with a clearly established battle between good and evil and magic playing a lead role. The Eyes of the Dragon takes place entirely within the realm of Delane, which itself is located within Inworld from the Dark Tower series. Um, so here's something else from Wiki. As a sum of King's established fans rejected the novel, considering it a ch- children's book, King originally wrote the novel for his children. Another reason for fan rejection of um, Eyes of the Dragon was the fact that it was epic fantasy with little to no elements of the horror that typified King's most successful work of this era. Negative fan reaction to the Eyes of the Dragon was an inspiration for King's subsequent novel, Misery. The protagonist of Misery was a successful romance novelist who killed off his most popular character to allow himself to write in other styles of fiction only to be imprisoned by a deranged fan. King saw Misery as a metaphor for the fact that he felt chained to writing horror fiction Mm. so uh, that goes into a little bit about misery as well but um so eyes of the dragon is this little book it's it's not one of his you know you look at stephen king books and sometimes it intimidates people by seeing how like thick and big they are oh that's a horrible way to describe that's that's what she said um But it's a it's 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 a good short read and it's a really great book. It's another kind of story. I talked a little bit about Shawshank Redemption and um, you know Andy Dufresne being you know wrongfully convicted and wrongly in prison for something that he didn't do. This is very much uh, very similar to Eyes of the Dragon about a story about somebody being in prison for something that they're accused of and that they didn't do. Now of course it's in a different world, different setting. Like I said, it's kind of like medieval like where there's castles and kings and queens and um there's like a wizard um but and there's a lot going on lots of great characters lots lots of mysticism but a wonderful story of redemption very similar to shawshank redemption so if you like that whole theme with shawshank redemption it's very much the same within eyes of the dragon and to me it's it's a classic i love it it's one of his earlier works and i highly recommend it it's a good easy read good story I'll have to look for that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm all for like that. So you said it kind of ties into Dark Tower, or is it? It it does because it takes place in the world Delane, which Delane is lo- like. There's lots of worlds located within the Dark Tower, like that takes you to different worlds. Um, when you're like through the different portals and stuff, like you can get to different worlds. Um, within those different portals, and Delane is one of them. And there's okay. actually a character from the Dark Tower that shows up and. Um, in the eyes of the dragon, his name's uh, flag. And he's also in a couple of other Stephen King works as well. in other books. So his name pops up Randall flag um, that you see pop up a lot in Stephen King's books and such. And um, so he's in this one as well. So mm. it's another little tie in, you know, we always talk about how, you know, all of his works kind of tie in a little bit with characters or locations or, you know, something. And this is another little tie in. It's great. I love yeah. it. I'm, I'm a big, I've read eyes of the dragon a couple times. And I don't read too many books more than once. Mm-hmm. Um, so this one, if I read it more than once, and you know, it shows I really like it. So I recommend it. Cool. We'll have to check that out. Yeah. Please do. Well, uh, my number one, I don't think would be too much of a surprise. And I'll have to talk <laughs> about the movie a little bit, but probably mostly the book. Um, it's 
our favorite clown, Yay. Pennywise, <laughs> uh, and it's it. Um, so I grew up. Uh, my I've mentioned this numerous times. My grandma had three movies at her house. She had <laughs> Dumb and Dumber, Leprechaun Two. And the It miniseries. And my sister begged my grandma to let us watch It every time. So I'm five, six-year-old watching It. Oh, my gosh. And it left such an impression on me that I remember being at some, like, it was like a some kind of, like, banquet-type thing with my dad. And there was this dark hallway, and I remember looking down the dark hallway. I was probably tired. I was probably, like, half asleep. And I just see Pennywise waving at me mm. all the way down the hallway. Mm-mm. And I don't know if it was that night. I think it was that same night. I'm back at our house. I'm in bed. And I swear I see him waving at me at the end of my bed. So I get up, walk to the living room, flip on all the lights. My mom comes out like 20 <laughs> minutes later. She's like, what the hell are you doing out here with all the lights on? And, of course, I'd be like, I think there's a clown in my room. I'm like, oh, I think think so- somebody's in my room. And so she gets my dad. Of course, there's nobody. And uh, they figure out that I'm seeing the clown or think I'm seeing the clown. So that kind of put an end to it. Uh, but that definitely laid the groundwork for my love of horror movies. And when it was coming back out last year, I decided I wanted to read the book. I've never read the book before. Mm-hmm. It's like a thousand page marathon to get through. It is. It's a lot. It's and it's it's a little bit tougher. I think. I think if you read it in the eighties, it would have a little bit more. Like if you're like thirty ish in the eighties, it'd probably have a little bit more uh, verboseness to it, maybe, or just a little bit more. Uh, relatability to it because he talks about the 50s and that a lot and back in the 80s mm-hmm. and you know me barely being alive in the 80s as a kid I don't I don't really have that frame of reference as much I mean I've seen TV shows so I have a little bit but um, it's just kind of cool uh, to to get to see both sides of it and the book's pretty creepy there's a couple scenes that I kind of could do without you know there's yeah. a very notable scene with um, the kids as they're trying to get out of the sewer mm-hmm. um, I don't, have you read the book or anything? Or? I have not read that book no um, it's, uh, it touches on a lot of very sensitive topics around that time. Like, um, you know, not really gay rights, but kind of like homophobia mm-hmm. talks a lot about that and, you know, kind of shows it in the, in like a, like people doing things to people who are, who are homosexual and very much be like, yeah, that's not a good thing. Interesting. Um, and, uh, I don't know if this is one he wrote in his like cocaine induced like, days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But it's you know it's really interesting to see both sides of it, and you really kind of get this idea that um, this Pennywise the clown is you know this entity that has lived forever, and he kind of you know preys on the weak, and you know you get kind of and you see this in a lot of his stories, you know you get where the the underdogs kind of get together and fight back, and that's definitely what happens here. Like each one of these kids, you know, I think Pennywise looks at, you know, not being powerful enough to to hurt him. Mm-hmm. And then when he does, he makes sure that they go away and live lives that they never remember it. And it's kind of a very interesting, like, you know, take on, like, childhood in general. You know, like, when you're growing up, like, things that you thought of, you know, like, walking through forests where you're like, oh, my gosh, there's, you know, uh, tigers and things like that in the woods. And, you know, like, you, you really feel that when you're a kid. But when you're an adult, it's like, well, that's that's not the case. These are, like, these aren't even really woods. This isn't a creek. It's just a drainage ditch. Mm-hmm. But as a kid, like it's just so much bigger. Um, and so it's kind of cool, like seeing that kind of play back and forth. And I think for somebody, I don't know how old he was in 86 when he, of course he probably wrote it soon before then, but you know, to be somebody in their late thirties, to be able to reminisce like that is really, really cool. Yeah. Um, I think uh, the, the original movie 
you know, watching as a kid's really scary. I've gone back and watched scenes of it since then. <laughs> pretty rough. Pretty yeah. rough. Um, oh shoot, who played the clown? Uh, Tim Curry. Tim Curry. Um, I think he was a great Pennywise. I thought he did a great job. Yeah. Um, and I think Skarsgård did a great job in the new one. They Man. kind of missed on both of them, but it's one of those things that with the second one coming out next year, if they just tweak a few different things and kind of tie in the story together, it could be like a really great like back-to-back watch. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really, really excited for that to come out. I am too. And, you know, I I am completely petrified of clowns. And I was even petrified of clowns before I ever saw it. It wasn't like, uh, you know, whenever I watched it in the 80s um, that, you know, it was like, um, oh, now I'm afraid of clowns. I've been afraid of clowns since as long as I can remember. So uh, to watch that miniseries took a lot for me because I was already terrified. And so I was like, I ain't reading that book because the books are always worse. <laughs> the books, you yeah. know, can completely terrify me. Stephen King, you know, has written books that have completely terrified me and given me, you know, sleepless nights as an adult, not just as a kid, as an adult. I am, you know, uh, checking under my bed or I refuse. I always had this thing like I wouldn't, whenever I would go to bed, I wouldn't just walk up to my bed and get into bed because I knew as soon as I got close enough to my bed within arm's reach, something was going to grab me like it does in poltergeist and pull me under the bed (laughs) and I would never be seen again. Yes, I have these fears, folks. It's one of those things like uh, when you're a kid, it's like if Pennywise shows up, you'd freak out. But now if he shows up, he's like, well, I'm going to eat you. Like, oh, thank God. Like, I don't have to go to work tomorrow. (laughs) Right. I don't have any more concerns. Pennywise, (laughs) do your damnedest. No responsibilities. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and you're right. The the second one was really, to me, the second one, or I'm sorry, not really the second one, but the the new release, the new one that they did that was released last year. I thought it was really done brilliantly. Um, and as much as what it scared the hell out of me, even as an adult, I really love the kids. I thought they did a great job with the kids relationship. Um, but it is, it is quite a story. It is quite freaky. It's a great story of the kids overcoming their fears and realizing that, you know, when they come to the realization that, you know, he's basically feeding off of our fears. If we just say that we don't believe this, like, because he would show them fake things like when Georgie, you know, cause Georgie had died and mm. Georgie keeps popping up and he's like, that's not Georgie. That's not Georgie. You know? And he, they come to the realization that that's not real, that it's fake. And, you know, I love that cause they were all kind of underdogs and, well, and then the they were able really to beat cool. him. Like as a kid, like, I, I don't think I really quite understood it. Reading the book, it made a little bit more sense, but like, Pennywise wanted people to be scared because that made you know them taste better, kind of like when you hear about vampires and things like that. Yeah. But it was kind of a double-edged sword because if he was playing in that realm, if you believed enough, like you know my you know uh, inhaler is battery acid. If I believe that enough, it is. Right. And he can. That's how he gets hurt. And I don't think he realized that his power was that double-edged sword that could stick him as well. Exactly. Yeah, um, really great. With the, with the new movie, I think it's very genius that they've made that take place in the 80s and then they'll pay, have the new uh, part two take place in like modern times, like mm-hmm. 2018 or whatever it is. Because that's something they could do every 20 some years. You know, yeah. they could have one in, you know, 30 years from now take place in, you know, the early 2000s. Right. They could do it during, um, his, like, for every time he comes out of his hibernation, right? <laughs> every yeah, time I think that's like the 27 years or 32 years, whatever it is. Because I know when 91, when that came out, it was whatever the number of years it's supposed to be was when the new one came out. Like, exactly. that was kind of the time frame. So, yeah, if you do that every time there and, you know, maybe that's actually where Penny, uh, Stephen King gets his, like, uh, writing mojo from is there's actual Pennywise. So he has to make a Pennywise movie every year to help feed off his fear. Maybe. 
I don't know. I don't know where he gets his stuff. I think that he, I, I thought I heard him say once that, um, like he gets a lot of his ideas when he's sleeping, like when he's dreaming. Mm. Um, and then, you know, it's like, he's literally writing his nightmares. Um, that, that could be completely false, but I, I could swear that, you know, I, I read that somewhere about him. I've heard that about the shining. I think, I think he was staying at a hotel had a really weird dream, woke up while it was raining. I think he either wrote down a few words or he started writing The Shining at that point and got it done like in a weekend. Wow. Which wow. could have been like, again, he could have been like, ah! <laughs> 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 <I gotta> <laughs> knock, knock him back a few. He, he, he liked to party in the day, that's yeah, for did. sure. That's awesome. Good number one. I knew, I had I definitely had a feeling that was going to be your number one. Um, <laughs> but what a good one to talk about. That's awesome. Well, I've got a couple. I won't go into deep detail, so that way we're not taking up all the time on these. Um, but I'm going to mention a couple of honorable mentions because, as I mentioned um, at the start, that it's so difficult to pick, you know, just a top three when you think of like 40 years of work that this man yeah. has has put out between, which I realize he's not doing the movies. He has so little to do with the movies. You know, he's usually just like, you know, like they always ask like for his approval, like, do you like it? Do you like the script? But he's usually kind of like, eh, you know what, you know, take it and run with it. And he's usually either he likes it or he doesn't. Um, but still, they're from his work, and so we consider them Stephen King movies. So just yep. to, some paychecks still cash. That's right. <laughs> he, he he gets the money from it. That's for sure. Um, so a couple honorable mentions that I'm going to mention. Um, I won't talk about them too much. But there's a short story. I can't, I didn't write down from which book it was, from which book of short stories. But there's one called The Monkey. Okay. Did you ever read that one? Um, it's about. Oh my gosh! I was. Okay, I'm a fearful kid. I grew up watching scary movies, so I'm scared of a lot of stuff, okay? But did you ever see those clanging monkeys from like the yeah, early the eight, ching, you know, ching, 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 ching those creepy, yeah. I, I, no, no. My cousin had one of those in her room and I had to knock that damn thing on the floor all the time or throw something over top of it because we ain't sleeping in this room with that damn monkey looking at me all night. But that's basically a short story about uh, one of those monkeys. It's called The Monkey. Um, we talked about uh, the new version of It. That's on my honorable mention as far as the movie. I thought it was really great brilliantly acted bill skarsgård was fantastic the kids were great like the whole kids relationship is fantastic so that was really great misery the movie holy hell i mean (laughs) masterpiece you know james con and kathy bates yes jeez you just don't get any better um the netflix version of gerald's game Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That was so, so good. And the book was really good too. I loved, I remember reading the book years ago after it came out and whenever I heard Netflix was going to do this, I thought, Oh gosh, this could go either way. And I watched it last year after it came out and it was so good. I recommend it folks. If you haven't watched it, we should try and cover that sometime, by the way. I know it's been out for like a year. Oh yeah. I'd love to do that one. We should definitely do that sometime. Um, the original Carrie movie. Yes. Uh, Carrie was, uh, there was like a stretch of time where USA was showing all these kinds of movies around Halloween. And mm-hmm. My household was like USA Network all the time. And I remember seeing that one. It, it was always very confusing as a kid. He'd be like, why is his, her mom so mean? Like, why are these kids so mean to her? Yes. Yeah, that was the ultimate mean girl, you know, bully kind of yeah. kind of thing back in the day. It was horrible. I never really, I'm like, yeah, I didn't really understand why the hell they were so damn mean to her. Um, poor girl just tried to keep to herself. But anyway, the original Carrie movie with Sissy Spacek, fantastic. Uh, the movie Pet Cemetery. Yeah. Love it. One. Love it. Um, the book Desperation. Okay, what's that one, that one about? Oh, man. I, 
I don't even know what to tell you or how to describe this book. I really don't. Um, it's a little supernatural-ish uh, with a, a thing that takes over the bodies of, of people. And it uh, there's this couple that's driving through this like desert town of desperation and they kind of get stuck in this town and the horrible things that are happening because of this thing that's taken over um, the body of the local sheriff. And um, I won't say anything more because I want you to read it. It's really good. Um and it's a classic in my in, in my eyes, Desperation. It's really it's a really great read. I mean, you start reading it and you just cannot put the book down. I read it pretty quick. Um, the movie Stand By Me. We talked yeah, about that. That was on my uh, uh, honorable mention as well. Yes. That's love. another one where you're like, okay, here's a great, great movie. And you're like, wait, the same guy that did it did this book? Okay. Like, all yeah. right, let me... Let me see what else this guy can do. I know. I think that was based off his short story, uh, The Body, right? Yeah, that's right. I think so. Yeah. So great, great movie. Great coming of age movie. Um, that was just fantastic. So yeah, um, that's a great one. Uh, the movie Firestarter. You've mentioned love that it. before. Yeah. Yeah. Love that movie. Um, 1408, of course, the movie and short story. We talked about that. Creep Show. Oh, yeah, yeah. Love it. I know I've talked about that before. Absolutely love Creepshow. Of course, there's a nice little Stephen King uh, cameo in that one, as there are in other movies of his. Fantastic. Secret Window. Uh, yeah. Oh, short yeah. story in the movie. One of his. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's one that's very trippy. Yeah. Because that's Johnny Depp, right? Yes. It's always interesting when you see the ones that he does from a, like a writer's perspective because there's a handful of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that one is kind of like at the end. Like I remember watching that with somebody like, wait, I don't get it. And I'm like, oh, uh, <laughs> I think I do. And I don't know if I feel good about that or not. Yep. It's got a nice little twist. I won't. Uh, I know we've given some spoilers, but I won't go too far into this one. I recommend reading that short story um, and then watching the movie if you haven't seen it. It's it's another, I think, kind of like 1408. I feel like it was a little bit of a sleeper. Um, yeah. I don't know that it was a huge, huge hit. I really don't know how much money it made, but I thought it was great. And I love Johnny Depp because, well, because he's Johnny Depp. Um, so I love him. So anyway, I, th- I really enjoyed that one. Um, Cat's Eye. Did you ever see that one from the Ooh, early 80s? Drew Barrymore. So. Oh, so good. People are probably like, what the hell were you watching as a kid? <laughs> um, just, wa- just watch it. Look it up. James Woods, which I can't say I'm a fan of his as a person, but as an actor, I always really enjoyed his work. He's in a Drew Barrymore. Lots of other um, cool people show up. Definitely check out Cat's Eye. And then the book. Well, sorry, not book, short story. I keep saying books. Um, it was a short story, which is to be made into a movie which will be in the news coming up the boogeyman okay that scared like i said there are some of his books short stories that have scared the pants off of me and the boogeyman that short story was one because i've been scared of the boogeyman since i was a kid thanks to a crazy uncle that i had that um literally put the fear of that into me as an impressionable like four and five year old and um it carried on with me as an adult reading that book um, really got to me. So I recommend that as well. I, I want to hear, I want to hear some of your honorable mentions. What have you got on your list? All right. So I've got three big ones. Um, so Salem's lot uh, yeah. it is, you know, Stephen King's vampire uh, book. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you kind of mentioned a bunch of, I love that Stephen King kind of takes a genre and then runs with it like vampires or the haunted hotel or the ghost. Um, the other one on my list, it's not, I don't think it's very popular. I think it kind of bombed, but Dreamcatcher. Yeah. The book was I watched, great. I haven't read the book. I've only seen the, the movie. It's got a big cast in it. You know, it's mm-hmm. got Morgan Freeman, Thomas Jane, Jason Lee, like a lot of big names. 
And again, it's kind of that like group of kids like um, banding together against the bullies. Like they protect that kid who ends up being like an alien type thing. Yep. And they all get powers from it. It's weird and like it's definitely like you know, a little hard you, to follow it sometimes. Yeah, you're like, a what's going bit. on? Yeah. I mean, if you see it and you're like, oh, well, the dude that wrote that was high on cocaine. You're like, oh, okay, I get it. Totally get it. <laughs> totally makes sense. <laughs> uh, but again, that's like his alien type thing. Um, and then one of my other big favorites, again, is like during the 80s, there's a bunch of great ones, but it was Christine. Yes. So again, it's this idea like, you know, killer car, you know, but the, it's it's a car that really cares for this guy. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it's a, a love little story. <laughs> yeah. To an extent. She's um, jealous, man. She's a jealous yeah, girl. She does. <laughs> but he gets bullied and the car protects him, but then he gets obsessed with this car. And it's kind of cool, like the idea of like the car's soul is the radio. Mm-hmm. You know, and like any 16 year old, I don't know if now is the same, because I know like now it seems like a lot of kids when they're 16, are like, yeah, I don't need a car. It seems like that's kind of a dying fad. Mm-hmm. Um, but like when I was turning 16, it's like, oh, well, I need a stereo. I need to put some speakers in this thing. When I get enough money for my first job, I'm putting some subs in this, and we're going to blare some Papa Roach and Guns and Roses down this road. I don't care yes. who's listening because you're right. going to listen no matter what. Yes. Windows down. All Only the way up. listening. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, those are my main three. Uh, lastly, with uh, Christine. Oh, that is such a good one. Such a great 80s classic. Some of those early um, 80s, early to mid 80s uh, Stephen King adaptations, just they just don't get any better, you know. Um, that's awesome. And g- that's a great list. Really great list. It, and if I may, because I was talking to my kid um, about, because she was raised on Stephen King as well with books and movies. And so I was asking her and she said it was okay for me to share this. If I may, if you will indulge me for just a moment, I won't talk about them and go into a lot of detail. I'm just going to name them because it just makes a mommy proud. Um, that she, <laughs> she loves it as much as I do. So these are my kiddos picks. These are her books. Um, so starting at the top, her favorite, the girl who loved Tom Gordon. Okay, nice. Her absolute favorite. Um, Cell, Thinner, The Long Walk. Uh, that's a big, I think, classic, I think, with a lot of folks. That's a big popular one. I think they're making a movie of that. I don't know. I could be wrong. Um, or maybe there was just talk. Um, next book, Carrie. And then On Writing. Um, that is not something that you would typically think of as a super popular book, but she is herself a writer. So she you know, even before she read this on writing book, Stephen King's book, um, you know, she was inspired by Stephen King and his style of writing and just admired his, his writing in general. And then she read his on writing book and, and loved hearing, you know, how he talks about his process and things like that. So it's definitely something that not a lot of people probably have read or relate to if you don't enjoy writing or just want to know about Stephen King's writing, but she is a writer and picked up on that. Um, her how, list- many, how many pages does he write a day? Or does he go by words he has to write a day? I think that he, I don't know if it's words. I know that he makes himself some days, even if he's not feeling it, he will make himself sit and write. Mm. He's like, you know, you have to write every day. I mean, I'm I'm sure he probably does take some breaks. I'm sure he has his vacations. Um, But I know that he's kind of, um, and and I could probably ask my kid and she would know. Um, But I think he, he keeps it like he's dedicated and it's mm-hmm. a discipline for him that he stays at it. And he's always like, you need to. And also he's very big. Something I hear him say all the time is he's like, you can't be a writer if you don't read. So he's a big yeah. reader. He's like, you know, you need to read to be able to write. Um, so he's like, and to get all that in in a 24 hour day, tons <laughs> and tons of cocaine. 
Not anymore. I think he's too old for that. Um, <laughs> man, and boy, am I glad. I'm glad he's still around putting them out. Okay, her list of favorite movies that I'm going to run down really quick. Cujo, mm. uh, Gerald's Game on Netflix, Firestarter, Pet Cemetery, Misery, uh, The Original Shining, um, The New It, Rose Red. I also enjoyed that one. Uh, Maximum Overdrive. Oh, yeah. I forgot you know that about one. that one. Yeah. Oh, I love that one. You got Emilio Estevez. Yes. Yeah. With with ACDC soundtrack. Yes. And instead of Christine, the killer car, you got some killer trucks. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, she I really digs that. that one was his, too. Mm-hmm. Yep. Maximum Overdrive. That's one of her favorite movies. Stephen King movies, anyway. Um, Stand By Me. Uh, Children of the Corn. And then, of course, she would love that one because she loves to torment me. So she loves, of course, the story about... <laughs> kids tormenting adults um and then the original carrie so those were her she she made me so proud i teared up a little bit writing those down Um, (laughs) made me so proud so anyway are are you going to when your little boy is of age when he's a little bit older are you going to introduce him to some stephen king yeah that's going to be a tough one because i know i absolutely love like horror movies and stuff like that like i got into rob zombie pretty hard when i was like 16 17 and zombie movies Mm -hmm. but i also like to sleep and i really (laughs) don't want him to like sneak into my room freaked out so it'll it'll be a tough kind of balance (laughs) definitely well maybe um like stand by me would be a good one to start off with when he's old enough and you know everybody's got to kind of decide everybody knows their own kids and everybody has to make that judgment call of if, if they choose to let their children watch scary movies what age do they let that happen um but yeah I, yeah, I don't know. With Stand by Me, I mean, there's two. Th- there's two reasons I'm afraid of water. One is Jaws, and the other is leeches. <laughs> oh yeah, that that's pretty terrifying for a boy. I think we probably talked about that before. Um, and that that that's a pretty classic scene um, in that movie for sure. So, interesting. So should we go through our letters from Shawshank Prison right now to kind of read what our listener feedback was on their top Let's- Stephen King? items let's do that why don't we start um let's see yeah let's get to listener feedback why don't you kick us off with that first one at night because I, I, I we're probably gonna have to talk about it just a little bit so yeah let's 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 hear what our listeners had to say all right so christopher uh parent books in no particular order so the stand uh yes all 1000 plus pages of the complete and unabridged version <laughs> number two it three pet cemetery four the green mile five the dark half and then for movies, number one, The Shawshank Redemption. Number two, Stand By Me. Number three, Christine. Four, Pet Cemetery. I was 17 when it came out and saw the movie opening weekend. When I walked in the door at home afterwards, went right to my mom's bookcase, grabbed the book off the shelf, and started reading it. <laughs> and number five, Misery. I think Pet Cemetery, like the little boy in that, I think his name is Sean. Or maybe my, uh, my mom and uh, their friend their couple that was their friend they went to see that and when the little kid i think gets run over by a car or something like that he gets hit by a semi yeah they were laughing i guess really hard (laughs) because they didn't have kids or anything and my (laughs) mom and dad had like a kid that age and so they felt kind of bad about it oh my gosh gage gage was a little boy's name in pet cemetery just and i remember that because the dad was screaming gage um oh my gosh yeah i don't i remember i was horrified I didn't laugh. I remember I was kind of like, oh. Um, 
Yeah, it doesn't seem like a very laughing matter. Not you know, well. I laugh at inappropriate moments in movies all the time, and that wasn't one of them. But there were. There's. Yeah, I get looks, and and I'm like, I'm sorry. I have a dark. Uh, I have a dark sense of humor and kind of a twisted. <laughs> Dark and twisty side. Sorry. Those, that's a great list, Christopher. Thank you so much for sharing that. We share some of those for sure. So many. I mean, uh, we could go on all day about some of these. Um, Elizabeth Nikolaevich says The Green Mile, book and movie. Um, 112263, book and TV series. Under the Dome, book and TV series. It, book, miniseries, and movie. The Dark Tower, books, movie, and TV series may still be a go with Amazon. Yes, fingers crossed. Um, And The Mist, movie, and TV series. Those are some good ones. I have not, I've heard so many great things about 112263, the book and the movie. I really wanted to read the book. I know. I really want to read the book before I watch it. I think 112263 is on Amazon or Hulu. Hulu is it or Hulu? Amazon, yeah. yeah. I think it's Hulu, but I could be wrong. Yeah, so it's available, So I'm, but I really want to read the book. I really do try to read the book first before I, if there is a book available for, for things like that. Um, oh, and then she also lists movies, Christine and Stand By Me. Really great list. We share a lot of the favorites. It's, it's really good to be a Stephen King fan. It just is. Yeah, there's just, like I said, there's so many different genres. Like The Mist, too, like... Um, you know, there's so many like great theories about these things too. Like the mist, they talk about like it's this big um, sacrifice thing, and I don't know if people know about the ending of that, but mm-hmm. basically, like the ending is very horrific. But you know, was that the you know was that essentially a sacrifice exactly. that kind of caused everything to go back to normal? But, oh. but yeah, just, oh, so much stuff. So much stuff. There's we could be here all night. Uh, let's see. So Laura Willie Swink, uh, many of my teenage days were spent reading Ke- Stephen King's novel in the library during free period rather than ducking off campus to head to the Taco Bell with the cool kids. That's right. Losers night. That's right. Loved all the early classic books like Carrie, Cujo and Christine, but bet, but pet cemetery had me afraid of looking down bathtub drains for years In movies. As I'm the, the generation that grew up with Drew Barrymore, I have a soft spot, uh, for the movies Firestarter and cat's eyes. Uh, the Shining is always a classic that still holds up today, but I'd have to say that I was never more freaked out as a child than when Danny Glick floated outside of his friend's window, scratching at the lights, whispering, let me in, in Salem's Lot. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited for Castle Rock. Like the few King Easter eggs we saw, including the appearance of Carrie White herself, Sissy Spacek, Bill Skarsgård, is really finding his niche in horror. He was creeptastic as Pennywise in It, and excellent in Netflix Hemlock Grove. If you haven't seen it, you should. I have not heard a whole lot of Hemlock Grove. Have you? I've heard a little bit. I think um, Eli Roth had some stuff to do with that. Really? Um, it's like werewolves and vampires, but like Eli Roth style. Oh hell! Or is it is it grizzly? Because he's he's yeah. the, <laughs> he's the a little grizzly. Is essentially like there's this like vampire who's coming to like teenage years, and uh-huh. he's got like a girlfriend or a girl, and she's having her monthly thing. And the Ooh. vampire is like, well, I don't mind. And he goes and earns his red wings. <laughs> Such a delicate way to put that. 
<laughs> oh my goodness. Those are all great, Laura. You and I were definitely, uh, would have been best friends during school. I was definitely that nerd. Um, and I say that with love, uh, the nerd in the library with you because I spent more time in the library than anywhere else uh, in a kid, as a kid, a teenager, and even as an adult. Um, so definitely would have been reading those right beside you. And I'm glad to know that you come from the same era as me with some of those classics. Firestarter and Cat's Eye. Cat's Eye is so good. Check it out, people. Um, thanks, Laura, as always. Jennifer Hollander says, I may have to break down and get Hulu now. I don't know how you even begin to talk favorites in the world of Stephen King. I was the dork in middle um, high school who forever had a Stephen King a book in my hand. Um, in no particular order, books, Needful Things, they were a really good one, The Stand, Misery, um, and then movies, The Stand, The Langoliers, and Christine. Uh, she goes on to say, in fairness, I've not kept up to date the last 10 years or so, and I've also never read nor watched the Dark Tower stuff, and I'm sure it's amazing. I just need to break down and binge all of the audiobooks I can get my hands on from the library, play catch up with all the books I've missed. He truly is masterful at telling a twisted tale. I so agree, Jennifer. Like and the list. Last, and our last one comes from Avelino Rocino. So gosh, there's so many books. Tops on my list of books, though, are... Almost all the Gunslinger series, Pet Cemetery, Salem's Lot, The Shining, and It. I would have loved to have read about Roland taking on Pennywise the Clown. <laughs> I think It was the best adaptation to date for me, hands down. The Shining movie was really good, but really diverged from the book at some key points. Pet Cemetery was also good, but had a little bit of a low-budget feel. Some good mentions are the Stand and Shining miniseries from the 90s. Yeah, the Stand was pretty cool. Man. There's just too much. There's 40 years of this man's work, and it's mm -hmm. all pretty awesome. So that's such great feedback, guys. I knew that once you know we put that out there that we get some really great feedback because, like I said, so many folks love Stephen King. He has something for everyone. And we talked a little bit about like Shawshank and Stand By Me where it kind of div diverges a little bit from what you would normally think of Stephen King. And uh, The Green Mile was mentioned. And that mm. kind of goes off his normal beaten path. There's a little bit of, I think, a little supernatural-ish happenings but it, it's not too over the top it's not so in your face um and it's just a really great story so i like that one as well good one okay are we are we ready to talk about some castle rock yeah so let's preview some castle rock i mean we kind of already have previewed it a little bit so we have we, we we're, we're going to talk a little bit about the trailers here the teaser and trailers that have come out for castle rock that is uh, going to be coming out next week so if you don't want to hear about castle rock if you don't really want to be spoiled about what's going to be happening that's what we're getting ready to talk about just fyi yeah so the couple previews are out i mean you get bill skarsgård playing uh, i think his name's henry mm -hmm. uh, if i remember no henry i think's the the reporter guy that's coming in um, but he plays um, this guy who nobody knows who he is. They find him at Shawshank. You get Shawshank in this. Yes. Um, I watched a few like Easter eggy type stuff because um, this this show is going to have one of those things like I want people to tell me all the Easter eggs that I miss because there's like you said forty years of Stephen King. There's going to be so much trickled throughout this whole like four episode season that I'm not going to catch everything. I probably won't even catch like a quarter of it. Mm -hmm. um, I don't 
know what the big overarching idea behind the series is? Like, you know, is it just kind of going to pick and choose different things or is it going to kind of pull into this bigger King universe? Mm-hmm. Um, there's one of the writers that I listen to. He's got another podcast. His name's Mark Bernardin. He was a writer on this and he's a big King fan. So I know it's in good hands. Um, so I'm pretty excited to see, you know, what turns out with this. And I'm really excited for like a creepy kind of dark, um, not really like full horror, but more suspenseful, uh, supernatural type of TV show that we haven't really gotten in a while. Yeah, because we don't have anything to base this off of. This is an original work, and it's from uh, a joint venture with J.J. Abrams, whom I love, um, Mm -hmm. and Stephen King. So to me, when I heard that this was first being worked and going to be released, I was thrilled because I thought, we don't know anything about it. Everything in Stephen King's world, um, at least movie adaptations, well, they're adaptations of a book. You at least have a pretty good idea, even if they change some things from the book into the movie, you know about the basic premise of what's going to happen. And this, we don't have a clue. And I am super excited. There, uh, Stephen King actually has writing credits in all 10 episodes. I'm looking at, at that right now. Um, Is it I, 10 episodes? For some reason, I thought it was only four. It shows 10 episodes, but um, I, I'm a little bit confused because I only saw four episodes. Um, they're showing directors that the, there's four directors and there's one director that directed three episodes and then it has directors for one episode. So I'm, I'm very confused as to how many there actually are because according to Wiki, whenever I was looking it up, it shows three episodes are going to be released next week on the 25th and then uh, one episode um, the week after. So I'm, I'm very confused um, if someone was to write in and, and clear that. <laughs> that up for us, that would be great. But when you're looking on IMDb at the series cast, um, several of the actors have credits for 10 episodes. Okay. So So it looks like maybe they're doing, like you said, three episodes next week and then an episode every week after potentially. It could be, it could be. I'm, I'm sitting here. I only have a year on here, so I'm really confused as to how they're doing this, but I'm seeing, I'm looking at episodes with um, different episode titles, which I won't read or anything because I don't want to like spoil anyone. I don't think it's really spoiler. I don't think it's going to tell me anything really exactly about what's going to happen, but I know some people don't like that. So I don't know. We'll try and get some more information and we'll like try to release that. I'll put it on like our Facebook and Twitter and stuff. If you're interested or if you already know, like I said, write in and tell me, cause I'm kind of confused to be honest with you. I can't seem to get any clear, um, uh, question about that, but I, I really enjoyed the teasers. I was watching the teasers in the trailers today, which I watched them uh, when they first came out, but I watched them again so we could podcast on it. There's the one teaser where all you see is like this kind of like close in on a map and you're seeing like characters or cities like you'll see needful things you'll see Shawshank um, prison and uh, all of the or or you might see a character's name you'll see Pennywise and you see Mm. how it all starts linking together and and you hear this you don't really hear a lot but there's this music playing it's kind of creepy and I love then how it, it expands out and it shows you know this town in Maine called Castle Rock which if you are a fan of Stephen King you know is a, a made up town that he you know just uses in his universe and we and I love the premise of the tra- of the teaser how it intertwines all, all, so many of his works because we know as Stephen King fans so many of his works are tied together you know you see the same characters show up you 
see, you know, the same town being mentioned or someone's from that town or the, the story takes place in that town. So I really, really love this. I'm really looking forward to how they're going to, you know, draw in so many um, um, things from from the the Stephen King universe. And I'm super excited for the Easter eggs. I'm sure we're probably going to miss um, several of them, but we'll hope to catch them. Um, and I really like the other. Have, did you see that Terry O'Quinn is in this as well? I did I, not. I don't think that's as well known because we see Sissy Spacek a lot, which, hey, don't we all love her? I mean, she is Carrie after all. So how fantastic is it to see her in this? And then Bill Skarsgård, you know, if you loved the new Penny or the new It, um, and he was the Pennywise, of course, he, I think, is brilliant. He does not play Pennywise in this. He's a new character, but I, I'm excited to see him. Uh, Scott Glenn is in it. I'm a huge Scott Glenn fan, but as I was looking at it, Terry O'Quinn is in this, and I think he does the voiceover of one of the teasers, and um, it's really great, and I think he has something to do with Shawshank. I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, it's the gist I kind of got, too. Yeah, I won't give anything. I, I'll, I know we're going to talk about it, and we might spoil a little bit, but I don't want to give too much away, so I, I think that he has something to do with Shawshank, because he is picture is on the wall alongside if you watch Shawshank Redemption the warden and I forget his name but the guy that played the warden in uh, the Shawshank movie Terry O'Quinn's picture is along the wall with that guy's picture so it leads me to believe that maybe he's the warden mm. of Shawshank during this time I th- so and, and he's doing like the voiceover of one of the trailers um, so the gist of what I'm getting is that this is kind of a cursed town strange things happen um, and people, they're like, you know, they don't blame the crazy things they do on other things, but they blame it on where they live. Yeah. Of Castle Isn't Rock. kind of interesting? I mean, it's, it takes place, like you said, around where all this other stuff is going on. Like, these are the people that know of these weird events that happen. It's kind of like, you know, with It and Derry. Like, people know stuff happens, but they just don't really say anything. Yeah. And so if you kind of follow that here where, you know, they know about this hotel, the Overlook, where something weird happened and... You know, they know about, you know, this uh, place where like a lot of people had these weird bite marks and they, you know, in the trailer they showed like newspaper clippings about, you know, rabid dog and, you know, yes. out- outbreak of rabies and stuff like that. And somehow kind of like have all these little pieces tie in together somehow would be really, really cool. I don't know if they've they've want to try to expand this to multiple seasons or if this is going to be like a one season thing, but mm-hmm. um, there's just so much source material to play with that you could do so many things. Um, yeah. And I, like I said, I don't really know what to expect, but from the trailers and stuff, like I'm just really, really excited to get, get the show going on it. I am too. And, and it genuinely looks creepy. Like some of the things that you see in the trailer, like people, you know, were, and like I said, I'm going to talk about it. People, if you haven't seen it, don't listen. Um, you know, just like falling or dropping off of Mm -hmm. rooftops and Skarsgård's character when he's getting pulled out of whatever hole he's in he's got like this like dead looking foot and a fly just lands on it what's up with that foot yeah Yeah, and did you see his eyes when they're like you know uh, they're looking at him and they're talking to him and they're like who are you we have no records of you who put you in that place here in the prison and you look at his eyes and they almost look red and I don't mean Mm -hmm. like bloodshot red like hey I just woke up from a bender Um, you know his, his like the color of his eyes they looked outlined in red I gotcha um, and it was very creepy it was right after they had showed like his weird dead ass foot um, yeah like, so I yeah the only thing he says is like has it begun 
Yeah. As what begun? Yeah. What are you talking about, dude? I know. Just creepy. Stop talking creepy. You're freaking me <laughs> out. So yeah, it genuinely looks really creepy. The music to it was really great. So it really gets me excited to, I'm very, very excited about it because Stephen King, this is something he's actually pretty involved in. He doesn't really, like I said, he kind of stays out anytime they do those miniseries, anytime they do the movies. See, I don't think he's ever written one of the screenplays or the, you know, this done the screenwriting for any of them. Um, I think that he, you know, if they ask, he might put in a little bit of input, but most of the time he's kind of like, you know what, just do whatever you want with it, you know? Um, and he's kind of hands off. So it's really exciting to see something that it seems like he's truly involved in. And like I said, to me, he is the master and I am a dedicated constant reader. So I'm very excited to see, see, um, when this comes out, whether it's four episodes or whether it's 10 episodes, I don't know. (laughs) I'm excited to see whatever it is. (laughs) So anyway, do you have anything else that you want to say about no. the trailers? That's pretty much all I have. I'm I'm really pumped for it. It's been a long time coming. I mean, it's been about a year, year and mm-hmm. a half that they've been talking about this. And uh, I actually, for some reason, thought it was already out because I don't get Hulu mm-hmm. until just recently. So definitely lined up perfectly. I've got Hulu now, and this comes out next week. So I am, I am pumped to get going on this. I think we're going to get to go down a lot of cool, creepy avenues. And if it is 10 weeks... That'll get us closer to the fall time frame when it's ending, which will get in that nice, yes. you know, creepy, creepy. Kind of time of year. The fall is creepy. The fall is oh, just yeah. creepy I around here. Yeah. No, no, no. I don't like being outside whenever it's like dusk and the sun has set and it's real it's quiet like- <laughs> and the, the leaves that are just starting to fall are on yeah. the ground and there's that soft wind that blows them across the yard and it's quiet and it's too quiet. And I'm like, I'm getting the fuck back in the house because I have to take my you're dogs out. Things crunch. You're like, the dogs aren't moving. Why am I hearing crunching leaves? Exactly. Yeah. Cause I, and I have, I have to go outside. I have to leave my house. My dogs have to go outside. So yeah, when, when I'm, and I'm like, I'm like bug eyes everywhere. I'm like, hurry up and do your business. Hurry up and do your business. And, <laughs> and I'm watching everything and it's just, it's just too creepy. I don't, I don't like it. Um, this is what I get for watching uh, scary movies on my life. I've <laughs> made myself afraid. <laughs> Anyway, that's, yeah, I'm excited and I'm pumped. We'll figure out how many episodes there are. We'll definitely um, put them out there. I'll, I'll put some trailers out. And we might have um, might have to be posting some Comic-Con news. There's some Castle Rock stuff happening at Comic-Con. So we'll see what comes out of that. Maybe we'll have some exciting stuff to report on for next week when we start. Okay. So we got a couple news items. So um, you want to take that first one there, Sean? Sure. For the first one comes from Variety. So Fox is developing a horror movie based on Stephen King's short story, The Boogeyman, with A Quiet Place screenwriter Scott Beck and Brian Woods. The project has been set up with 21 Laps, Sean Levy, Dan Levine, and Dan Cohen. The Boogeyman, first published in 1973, takes place in a psychiatric's office where a man describes the murder of his three young children. With all three dying after crying Boogeyman, the story has been made into a short film several times. I have high hopes for this one. Maybe it's, I should. That's a very creepy premise. It is. Like I said, the boogeyman. That short story scared the hell out of me. This was recent news um, that came out like last week or something. Um, whenever it was announced that the the folks that did a quiet place, and that was great. I don't know if you've seen that, um, but that was really great. So that's why I I have you know some hopes. I'll try not to get my hopes up too much though. But um, sounds awesome. 
So the next thing that we have, and and why don't we take these one at a time here? I'll take the first one and then okay. you read the next one. We'll kind of trade up a little bit here so we're not having to read too much at once. But we have some trivia items because this is our Stephen King tribute show. Um, I thought it would be fun to have a little bit of fun Stephen King trivia. Try to find out some things that we didn't know about the amazing man himself. So this first one I thought was really interesting. Um, so Stephen King suffers from triskaidekaphobia, which is, and I'm probably mispronouncing it, I'm sorry, which is the fear of the number 13. Hmm. The number 13 never fails to trace that icy or old icy finger up and down my spine when I'm writing. I'll never stop work if the page number is 13 or a multiple of 13. I'll just keep on typing till I get to a safe number. I always take the last two steps on my back stairs as one, making 13 into 12. There were, after all, 13 steps on the English gallows up until 1900 or so. When I'm reading, I won't stop on page 94. 193 or 382 since the sums of these numbers add up to 13. Hmm. That's what he he says. 1408. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. I love that so much because I am such a weirdo. Like everything that he said here, I have my own, like I said, silly little fears um, and and superstitions. And I love that he does too. So I feel like if if Stephen King is a little bit of a weirdo, it's okay for me to be a little bit Mm. of a weirdo. (laughs) Kind of reminds me of uh, the Jim Carrey movie, the number 23. I don't know if you've ever seen seen that it's kind of a very similar thing where like he's got this weird connection with the number 23 yeah it's been a long time but i remember that yes that premise but i don't remember the details but yep that's that's right okay next one so he once said in a bbc interview that jack torrance the shining was his most autobiographical character at the time he wrote the book he was drinking a lot of jack originally he saw jack as a heroic character battling his demons the way strong american men are supposed to do that's interesting all work and no play yeah um so the onion once wrote an article claiming that king couldn't remember writing the tommyknockers he then admitted that it was actually true as he couldn't remember writing many novels from the 80s due to his alcoholism including cujo Hmm. (laughs) king was always interested in drama and cropped up in a number of his movies he was a man at the atm in maximum overdrive a minister in pet cemetery a cemetery a cemetery caretaker in sleepwalkers teddy wyzak in the stand tommy holby in the long liars dr banger in the thinner Gage Creed in the TV version of The Shining and a pizza delivery guy in Rose Red. I love it when he shows up. Yeah, I always movies. like when you get to see uh, ca- uh, cameos by the authors. I and know. Stuff. It's so great. And he, he does it. He just he gets such a kick out of it. Um, next one. He loved the movie 28 Days Later so much that he bought out an entire screening of it, all 275 tickets. Nice. That's a good movie. Mm-hmm. I really do love 28 Days Later. Yep. In uh, our last one, after his near-fatal accident in 1999, King's home care nurses were told by their supervisor that under no circumstances were they allowed to make any misery jokes. <laughs> Makes sense. Better totally safe makes than sense. Sorry. Oh gosh, I'm so glad that that man survived that accident. I remember when he had that accident, and it was like that man was like in some critical condition. I thought, oh my god, it is. We're not ready to lose Stephen King. Um, so I'm so glad he he came out of that on the other side. Yeah, no misery jokes. No, no doing the hobbling thing, right? Sticking <laughs> in. No, no, that's not good. 
Awesome. Well, we thank everyone for their feedback earlier when they were telling us everything that they loved along with us about Stephen King. Um, We really love hearing from you guys and we hope that you join us um, next week when we start our discussions on Castle Rock. Yeah, so next week we'll be reviewing the first episode of Castle Rock Severance. So Henry Dever, a death row attorney, confronts his dark past when an anonymous call lures him back to his hometown of Castle Rock, Maine. Well, we're really excited for you to travel to Castle Rock with us while visiting. You can follow us on Twitter at StrangeTCast. You can like us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash StrangerTCast. And you can check us out on Instagram at strange underscore indeed underscore pod. You can email us at strangerthingscastpod at gmail.com. And you can also find us on the TV Time app. You can find Strange Indeed and a bunch of other great podcasts like The Walking Dead Cast at podcastica.com. Go out and leave a review for Strange Indeed or any of the other great podcastica podcasts on Apple Podcasts. And talking about podcasts, make sure to check out Sean in his other podcast, The Language of Bromance, comes out every Sunday. And because we can't talk enough about podcasts here because we love podcasting and also listening to podcasts. We'd love for you to go check out the podcastawards.com and nominate language of bromance for the podcast award comedy category and strange indeed for podcast award TV and film. I love you forever. We're about halfway through, so you've got about two more weeks to get in and nominate us so we can make the slate, and then the voting begins for us to try and win the TV and Film Award and bring the second podcast award to Podcastica Podcast Network. Oh my God, I'll cry. I will. We're going to get a banner made. I know. We're going to invite Stephen King to give us the award. I know. I never win anything. I really really, kind of want this. Really, that's why we want to win, is so we can feel like winners. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, that's our show, episode 46, our Castle Rock preview and Stephen King top three. Until next time, I'm Rima. And I'm Sean. And Christopher Parent is strange indeed. You have no idea what's happening here, do you?